This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hi, I'm Jessica Aries. I'm a lawyer turned digital marketer, and I help law firms build profitable, sustainable practices through simple and easy marketing tactics and strategies. Hi, Jessica. I'm so excited to have this conversation. We have been connected mostly on LinkedIn for a while now through a mutual connection. And I have to say that I honestly feel like, first of all, everyone needs to go and follow you and your company because it is noticeably the best content out there on LinkedIn, for sure. I mean, it is so much better than average. And I'm regularly looking at it it thinking, oh, that was a cool way of doing that. Like, how did you do that? You're, You're always a step or two ahead of what everybody else seems to be doing. So very, very cool, um, approach and, um, Anyway, I'm, I'm happy to have you here because I, I want to kind of dig into all of this kind of work that you're doing, how you do things differently. And the big question that we're going to talk about today is what's next? So what's next in digital marketing, which I think is always the big question, especially in marketing. So first of all, let's talk about kind of how what your approach is and how you even figure these things out. Like, how do you even look around and, and uh, you know, it's so easy to kind of see what's now and what everybody's doing right now. But how do you figure out what is coming down the road, like, you know, a few months or a few, you know, next year or whatever? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for such a kind introduction and compliments. We work really hard on our LinkedIn content to make it resonate, to make it connect with people, to make it helpful. That's something that I think a lot of folks struggle with. You know, they sit. One thing I find a lot of times you you log into a social media platform and you just stare at the cursor and you're like, now what do I write? Right. I find coming equipped with a plan is always a better way to approach it. But it's hard to plan. Right. Anyways, that, so thank you for that because we do put a lot of thought and planning into our content. But in terms of actually what's coming next, you know, I've been in the legal industry for a long time. <laughs> um, I went to law school back in, in, well, I graduated, what, with my LLM in 2012, so it's been a while. And I can tell you that when looking to what's coming next, honestly, us in legal, we're a little bit behind. So if we just look to others <laughs> and kind of see what they're doing in other industries, we can learn a ton. And, you know, especially in some of those financial services and those accounting industries, they're already out there doing some of the work that we can emulate, we can learn from, we can adapt into our own. You're saying accounting is a leading like a trend setting that is that is kind of shocking. I can't picture my accounting friends being trendsetters. Like that's, that's I'm having a hard time with that. <laughs> some some of the financial services industry, some of them are doing things that I look to when I'm trying to convince a lawyer to try something new. And honestly, just being on the platforms, you know, and being in the trends and testing it out for yourself sometimes can be the best way. I mean, and I say this as someone, so in legal especially, I've worked with some very talented digital marketers and I've seen a lot of really talented digital marketers leave legal. And honestly, I've just followed them 
through their careers as they and like I have one in particular I'm thinking of when you say accounting she works at Deloitte now and she's in their digital media program I follow everything she says because I know if they're doing it at Deloitte sooner or later the attorneys are going to be asking me for it too so there are things to be learned yes that is fascinating. And I, I still am like, when you said Deloitte, all of a sudden I was like, okay, now the pieces are coming together because it's a major company that is trying to be ahead of the curve. I was picturing kind of accounting, smaller accounting firms trying to, you know, but that does make sense. So what kinds of things are you seeing? What kind, what kinds of things are, are those people who you're following doing that are kind of coming down the road? Well, they've really embraced short form video in a new way. We as legal professionals, we create a lot of content, but we don't always do a great job of making it engaging, right? And they're taking that content they're making and they're making it engaging with short form video. They're talking about some of these new trending topics. They're even experimenting. I mean, I, I was literally in one of the metaverse platforms the other day, I think it was Decentraland, and there's like a huge poster for PwC. You know, those types of marketing, <laughs> yes, is coming. <laughs> so, um, yeah. That's amazing. Okay, so what is this metaverse land that you're in that you were talking about? Because this is even, this is over my head. This sounds, when I was getting my MBA, we had a professor and I have a few friends that I did my MBA with that I know listen. And so they'll know who, exactly who I'm talking about. And he came into class and he was raving and telling us that we were missing out because the next biggest thing was Second Life. And he was telling us all about, you know, this is going to be the way the world is run. Everybody's just going to be kind of sitting in their little pods, living this online life and, you know, whatever. And anybody who's read Ready Player One, it's basically like, that's what he was picturing. It's like the, that, that like virtual world. So this is what I, and we all kind of sat and rolled our eyes and we're like, what kind of a wacky professor is this? And I will, t I will say this was our statistics professor. <laughs> it was crazy. Anyway, this is what I picture. I picture like this weirdo statistics professor talking about second life when you start talking about the metaverse. And so what is it that you're doing? And I'm guessing it's different from what I'm picturing in my head. Yeah, well, so to be honest, I'm not marketing in the metaverse right now. And I'm not actually advising our clients to unless they have a substantial, say, you know, client who is in the metaverse and they need that type of footprint. But I can tell you, looking to it, knowing how it works, understanding, exploring, especially if you're someone who's trying to be a forward-looking attorney, if you're trying to work in like the blockchain, the cyber kind of world, you definitely need to know the way the metaverse works, which is essentially, it's very much like that Second Life platform. You log into something, you're wand wandering around in an avatar, you know, but the difference is there's already people advertising there. There's already people setting up shop there. There's already people meeting virtually in the metaverse with their clients. Now, there are still a lot of bar rules and things that need to be worked out around all of that. <laughs> yeah, because how do you even know that you're really meeting with that person and that person is really a lawyer? <laughs> I mean, it seems like I'm so skeptical about stuff like that that I would instantly be like, you are catfishing me. That seems really sketchy. But you know how many of us, Karin, were imagining we'd be taking Zoom calls, right? And doing Zoom, you know what I mean? Zoom discovery, Zoom court, you know? Like, so we're living in a different age. I mean, it's, a, and if anything, you know, the pandemic, everything has really just sped everything up, you know? And especially, I don't know if, 
any of y'all have ever like had the opportunity to put on one of like those oculuses and actually like wander around and trip over your furniture in your living room. But if you have, like I have. I've seen them. I've seen all my friends post about them, So, I, but I haven't actually put one on. Okay, so what is that like? It's a bit addictive because it is like you are in that world. You're manipulating the space. You're moving through it. You have an avatar that can look like you or be anything you want it to be. And I can totally see how in the future, the near distant future, we will be meeting and socializing in that way just because there's so much loss when you think about Zoom or even like in, in video right now of body language, of the ability to kind of communicate with our persona, you know, what we bring to the room, to the space. So I do see a future there. I do see, you know, I was literally reading something from, I think it was the head of the legal ministry in Singapore who was talking about having marriage license applications go through, through the metaverse, as well as litigation. Real people, but like say, in many jurisdictions, you have to be in person unless you're in the military or something like that for getting married and you have to show up in person to get your marriage license, right? Well, if you're distanced for whatever reason due to the pandemic or whatever, why not meet up in the metaverse to get your marriage certificate? Why do you have to physically be there? <laughs> but okay, so I'm a huge fan of catfish, obviously, because it's the second time I've mentioned it. All I picture is uh, all these catfishes. Like you are just saying that you're this person, you're putting up the fake pictures, you're making this avatar, you're making someone fall in love with, whether it's a relationship or a business relationship or a marketing relationship, it just seems like there's so much room for fraud. I got my business set up in the pandemic and notarized all the documents and making documents virtually. So if we're notarizing documents virtually, if we're, I mean, I don't think we've gotten in every state will signings to be virtual, but I have heard of that being a thing. Why not the metaverse? You know, why not have the same kind of verification process, but then enter into the metaverse? I just, I could see it happening. Yeah. Okay. So there would be, is there some, because obviously I'm not in the metaverse, but is there some kind of verification process, especially if you're representing like a business where you have to, you have like, like the blue check in Instagram where it's saying this is the verified account? I haven't seen that yet. I do know some of the spaces when you're buying some of the real estate, when you're buying some of the footprint, there is some verification process for purchasing like the space in the metaverse. But Generally, I haven't personally tried to purchase anything, though, like in terms I've purchased artwork, you know, I've purchased, you know, I've done the whole like, oh, let's purchase. Yeah. NFT type thing. Right. But not the actual space. I'm sure there's a verification process. I would imagine. Honestly, I haven't had to try it. So maybe that's the next step in my what's what's next in digital marketing. Let's can I get verified? But I mean, I would think, you know, there's so many questions that come up, though. Well, and it seems like there are so many questions. It just seems like that would be the first thing that lawyers and law firms would want to know is how do I prove I am who I say I am so that, you know, the first things that most clients are looking for is trust and being able to know for sure that not only you are who you say you are, but you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And there, it just seems like there's so many layers of suspiciousness in in that other in, in being online and having avatars and all of that stuff. But think about it like this. How long ago was it that lawyers were suspicious of the idea of people putting all their information on a website? And now if you don't have a website, you're suspicious, right? Like now if you don't have a social media presence, people are like, is this a real law firm, right? 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've been around long enough that absolutely happened. I mean, I started back in the days of HTML websites and every seminar and, and bar association thing that I would go to, there would always be, you know, the lawyers who said, well, why do I even need a website? I've got the yellow pages. And I'm like, come on, <laughs> like, get with it. But before I did this, I was working for Century 21, working with realtors. And the equivalent would be that if you were going to put together a flyer for a house and you did not include a picture of the kitchen, the assumption was there's something wrong with the kitchen. Or a lot of realtors didn't want to put their headshot. And for realtors, this is normal, like to have a headshot on their business card. And, you know, if they're brand new baby realtors and they didn't want to do that, I'm like, listen, people are going to assume that you've got two heads or there's something weird about you. They need to see your face. That's just the expectation. So if you're not meeting that expectation, there's going to be a negative assumption about it. So what else? So do you think that the metaverse is really like what's next? Because I feel like maybe that's next, next, like sort of two steps or are there lawyers in there doing business? And, you know, is that happening right now? Yes, I can tell you there are lawyers in the metaverse doing business. I have a client who actually does a ton of e-commerce work who has clients who are actually selling NFTs and so has to be in the space because that is what her clients expect. So I think it's it, it really depends on the practice, right? Like I think in the future, I do agree, it's probably next next for most lawyers. <laughs> but those who are practicing in that space, I think understanding, just like when social media first launched, just like in 2008, 2009, right? When everyone was getting access to all these social platforms, there will be one day an expectation that you're there, right? And that you have some sort of presence and you can meet virtually there. And the people who are first in there are going to kind of establish their, you know, throw their flag down before everybody else. So, you know, if that's who your clients are, you know, you got to get on top of that. Lawyers are kind of slow to technology. And, you know, TikTok was the thing the last few years, especially during the pandemic. And so now lawyers are just kind of catching on and catching up to all of that stuff. And to kind of summarize, it's all driven by TikTok. Like that was the starting point. And so um, it's in that whole category called short form video, but it was it was started by TikTok. It's the kind of TikTok really short videos. And like when I talk to my clients about it, they are kind of shocked because I feel like some of them aren't even really on TikTok or, or know it very well. And they're shocked that it's like a minute or two at the most. And they're like, why have so many things to say? <laughs> I mean, the amount of coaching I've already done to attorneys on you don't need a long intro. Like literally, I'm a this kind of lawyer and spit out the info because we do a lot of TikTok content. We do a lot of short form video content. And I can tell you, the amount of coaching we've done to the attorneys to just help them get that really short, tight communication of the points I want to make and then done is tough. It is. And how do you, where do you start with that? Because I feel like their instinct is to, you know, cover every possible risk and make sure that they've got all the kind of the asterisks and all their kind of, you know, I'm going to say a thing and then I'm going to give you five disclaimers about it so that I don't get myself in trouble. And it's like, no, it's TikTok. You can't do that. So what do you, how do you kind of coach them through that? Uh, so I always say start with the stuff that you know is basic because most of the people on TikTok aren't looking for the deep dive into, you know, how mergers and acquisitions work, right? They're looking for the very high level, uh, you know, and even TikTok's a search engine, just so you know, and I'm not sure how many of your listeners are aware of that, but it is is a very powerful search engine, but just like Google, the more detailed the content is, the 
less likely it's searched, right? So start with those high level topics, those common questions you get, those not, you know, if you're if you're a you know, business formation attorney, it's do I need an LLC to have an S Corp, right? Basic questions like that. What is an LLC? You know, <laughs> um, what what does it protect me from? Like that is literally like, why should I have an LLC is the question. And then here are a few reasons, <laughs> you know. Okay. And so then when they go to answer that, what do you tell them? How do you get them to keep it short? Uh, So we actually help them script it in bullet points. And each bullet point, we're pretty strict on the bullet points. We're like, the bullet point is like 20 words max. You got to fit it in there concisely. And you're going to say it. We actually have them record it three times. And then our video editing team picks the best delivery version. We have them kind of do different versions. And then we splice it together. So we're never asking them to do the whole video in one take. Um, That's where I feel like a lot of attorneys trip up. They try to like film it all in one go. And then it feels a little rushed or disjointed or like yeah so we're like no no re-record it you know say the same line three times in different deliveries and then we'll pick the best one and make sure you really shine and then splice it together yeah to be interesting that's awesome and so then when you're taking that content do you use the same like once once you've put that video together do you use that same content on tiktok Instagram reels and the same video on the LinkedIn short form videos too? Or do you do slight variations? It depends what the video content is, right? Something that's going, so on LinkedIn, it's obviously a much more professional network. I'm not going to be putting like, if the attorney is doing something, you know, some of the attorneys embrace the goofiness of TikTok. (laughs) So I'm not necessarily going to advise them to put necessarily kind of the tongue in cheek goofy ones, but the ones where they're really value based content where it's, you know, I'm truly going to give you three steps to whatever. That's the stuff we would repurpose. And we'd actually do it across Instagram reels, YouTube shorts. Now they're only a minute long and then TikTok and then also put it on LinkedIn. Yeah, it depends though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. And that's helpful to know that you can take, you know, the majority of the stuff that you're using and you don't have to do all these different variations because as soon as you start figuring out the amount of time that's involved to do all the different versions for every single little thing, it just becomes overwhelming. And now, you know, you don't have time for all this stuff and so then it just doesn't happen. What about, so you were talking about kind of the more goofy TikTok stuff. What about like the dancing and the goofiness. Like there are some clients I've talked to who are like, I think it's ridiculous that some lawyers are on TikTok and I would never do that. That seems humiliating, embarrassing, or maybe just even inappropriate. Yeah. So I I would say then don't, (laughs) don't dance. If you don't feel, if you don't feel comfortable dancing on camera, then I wouldn't recommend you do it. I think you, you do the things that make you feel most comfortable. And it really depends on your professional brand too, right? There's obviously some attorneys who are embracing kind of the goofiness of TikTok. And I mean, many of them seem to be doing pretty well at it for them. That's great. But there's always going to be the more, you know, suit and tie kind of lawyer or, you know, blouse and and jacket kind of lawyer who's going to be like, I'm never going to do that. And that's fine. There's plenty of lawyers having tremendous success on TikTok, literally sitting in front of a camera telling just a very, you know, helpful tip on whatever the topic is in legal. You don't have to dance on camera. You don't have to do funky voices or trending sounds or anything like that to have success on those short form platforms. Honestly, it's just value. Even that for me, like the, the 
Yeah, the kind of when you have the voiceover thing and you're kind of speaking, I see some of those and I see that they're funny for some people. But then I also see ones where I'm cringing and I'm like, come on, don't do that. Like it's I'm, I'm embarrassed for you. And I that's for me. I'm not going to ever do that. Like that's I feel really self-conscious and it's going to come across on the screen that it just is not a good fit for my personality. And it's not something anybody would ever see me naturally do. (laughs) I joke around like that. So it's not something I'm going to do. And I don't feel like I am missing out by not doing that either. Like it's like, okay, that's great for them, but it's just not for me. So what about kind of paying attention to what your competitors are doing and getting, I feel like there's some people who get a little bit too fixated on that. Like, okay, I'm just going to take a look at this particular account and do that. I never, ever advise copying and pasting your competitor's strategy because uh, one thing I say a lot, and I think I've said it in a few YouTube videos, you don't know who's in in charge of that marketing strategy. You don't know if they're an experienced marketer. You don't know if it's just some harebrained idea that someone in the marketing department had, or if it's like the attorney going rogue, you know, wanting to do something and not really having measurable KPIs, not really having goals, objectives around it. And you don't know at the end of the day if it's successful unless you're really analyzing the data and looking at it. And so my opinion is to always build a strategy based on the data and look at what your how your account is performing, how your platforms are performing, how your channels are performing, and build a strategy based on what you know versus kind of spaghetti marketing where you're just throwing stuff up at the wall and seeing what sticks, right? Like that's and me it that's a recipe for honestly losing lots of money really quickly in marketing. <laughs> so um yeah. Yes, yes. And so that okay, I have two questions that funnel off of that. First of all, that brings it back to this idea of planning and starting with the plan and, you know, laying out that plan and then making sure that your stra- your all of your content comes back to that plan. But how do you do that when I'm planning today for maybe next month's content and I feel like I'm already behind then because if we're talking about what's next and I'm planning today and then next month I'm posting things that I plan today, how do I get ahead of that? And how do I stay on top of the things that are coming up next when I'm also planning at the same time? I think you build into your plan for those opportunities where you can be a thought leader or be the first to provide perspective on whatever that legal issue is. We actually, when we build content calendars for clients, we're building in space literally for those opportunities where we know something's coming down the pike or we know you know the law might change. <laughs> and we're also building some excess content just in case we need to stick something in there. But if you build into your plan a little bit of adaptability and also realize no plan is going to be set in stone, right? You're going to have have to adapt and be a little flexible with it. I mean, in my own marketing, in my own agency, we're adapting all the time based on trending topics and things. We build out a content calendar, but sometimes you got to move things around. And that's where having, you know, help to do it, <laughs> to move things around for you can be really advantageous. Yeah, I, we talk about this all the time because we start with strategy and planning also. And I just preach about this all the time. But at the same time, like you're saying, things come up. And so you have to build into that plan and that strategy some cushion for the variation. Because imagine all of us who are making plans in late 2019 or even early 2020, we had the whole year planned out. And if it was too tight of a plan, and then all of a sudden COVID hits and the whole world kind of explodes and you have 
no flexibility and you're going full steam ahead with this plan that makes no sense for what's happening in the world today, then that's that's a huge waste too. So I, I feel like that's a lesson we should have all learned in the last couple of years that the world changes and it's unexpected. <laughs> we actually recommend operating in 90-day sprints. So we tell our clients we're going to work on a 90-day campaign, right? And a 90-day sprint around marketing initiatives. We're going to go back and measure. We're going to adapt. And then we're going to work on the next 90-day sprint. Because things do change. The law does change. Things come down the pike that you couldn't have ever imagined, like a global pandemic. And if you've already built it all out, it's really hard to move those chess pieces. Now, there's some things that you can't wait 90 days to do. Like, say you're doing a giant event or a conference or something, right? Like, some of those things have to be built into your longer kind of strategy and plan. But you can also be adaptable. You shouldn't build entire, in my opinion, it's really hard to build an entire year's worth of content and everything without some um, flexibility in there. So, Well, I think the two things that, the two words that you said that I don't think get enough focus is, yeah, you have your plan, but then you have to measure and adapt. So if you are not taking a look at what's happening and adjusting, then you kind of don't get how marketing works <laughs> because that that is how you make it work. If you just kind of go blind, full steam ahead without adjusting for what's working, that makes no sense. Absolutely. We actually implemented scorecards recently for all of our clients and we do two-week lookbacks and we basically measure against our own performance setting small goals around a bigger 90-day goal. But specifically for that, that purpose of saying, okay, is this strategy working? Do we need to adapt? Are we doing this right? Or is this not resonating with this audience, this persona, whoever we're trying to target, right? And I think the key in marketing is to realize that failing failure isn't a bad thing in marketing. It teaches you a lot and you can learn so much from failing. <laughs> and in and, and short, right? You don't want to fail for the full 90-day sprint. But failing you know, in a two-week sprint is much more palatable, right? And you can adapt, readjust, and hopefully save the whole 90-day plan, right? If you're looking at the data regularly. But I don't even call it failing because it's just data. You know, it's just, okay, that group, it didn't work with. Okay, so let's stop doing that. And that's some data that is actually helpful to know. So now we don't have to focus and put any effort and budget and information over there. And now we pull it back over here and we focus on this piece over here. It's all just data and information that, you know, when people, when you talk about it being failing and th you know, then people get all emotional about it. It's like, I am not an emotional kind of person. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's just not, let's not cry about it. Let's just go forward and learn from that and kind of say, okay, that was the, that was, it's not even the wrong thing. It was just, okay, this is not the, this is information that we can use to do a better job as we go forward. Well, and I guess too, so I, as a lawyer, I think about too how you can't win every single case. You can't always, you know, like, but you learn something from it, right? So if you can't win every single case, you can't win every single marketing campaign or initiative that you plan out. And it's okay as long as you learn from it. It's when you fail to learn from it. So there is a time when you do fail. <laughs> when you fail to learn from it, that shame on you, right? Like, so, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. So Jessica, it's time for the book recommendation. I know you've got a great one. Uh, so what is the book that you want to recommend to the audience today? Yeah. So it's called The Analytical Marketer. Of course, it's about data. It's about analytics. It's about the, what we measure. <laughs> 
Um, and it's by Adele Sweetwood. And it is a book that a CMO recommended, a chief marketing officer at a large, you know, huge AMLAW 100 firm recommended to a group at a conference. And I don't know how many wrote it down, but I did. And I read it cover to cover. And I learned so much about data collection, KPIs, learning how to measure, learning how to really understand what's working in marketing and what isn't. <laughs> so if this conversation interests you, if the idea of trying to better understand what the heck all these numbers and things that your marketing department's bringing to you, if you want to be able to say, okay, well, what's our strategy? What's next? Versus just being like, okay, thanks. You gave me a report. Highly recommend this book. Highly recommend it. Oh, that's awesome. So this is another question I was I was mentioning to you that I've been thinking about adding to the show. And so speaking of that book, what is one thing that you know that does work? Ooh, storytelling. Storytelling for sure. I am so shocked at how many lawyers have amazing stories about how they became lawyers, why they practice law, why they do what they do every day. Because let's face it, lawyers put in a lot of hours, they work really hard, and they don't always share why they do what they do. And I've heard some of the most beautiful, amazing, compelling, connecting stories from lawyers when I just ask them, why'd you become a lawyer? And I think they don't share that enough of, you know, what motivates them, what gets them out of the bed, out of bed every day and gets them to the office to work on that work. And it's it's not for the majority of them the money. Like it's so much more. It's like a sense of justice, morality, purpose, helping others, serving others. I think those are beautiful stories that don't get shared enough. And I know they're a little vulnerable for some lawyers to share, but I've heard, you know, people who've clerked for Ruth Bader Ginsburg and people who have been shaped by these amazing events in their lives or, you know, even unfortunately have had, you know, someone in their family been on the wrong side of legal and have now become lawyers in order to fight for those who unfortunately didn't get justice, right? And I think that storytelling in marketing is one of the most powerful tools in that it's not used enough. <laughs> Absolutely. And I feel like it's such a waste because if you, I'm, I'm just picturing websites and that first impression, if you connect emotionally with someone and they feel like, you totally get them and you get their problem and you can convey that, especially in a storytelling way, pretty quickly, you've got them. Like all you need to do is make it simple for them to work with you and get connected and all of that stuff. But it's so often not done that way. It's so often just, I am X lawyer in Y city doing Z practice area. And it there's no emotion behind it. There's no reasoning. There is no feeling and story. And so it just feels so flat. And there's so much there even if you are a brand new lawyer out of law school, there's you can tell stories about why you are doing this. Like you said, maybe there's some family history. Maybe there's some reason why you chose to do this practice area. But even more often, you've got these lawyers that, I mean, I have sat down and, and heard similar stories as well, where like all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I can't stop thinking about this one case that this person told me about. And it's not anywhere on their website. It's nowhere in their presence. And it does, it's not anything they lead with. And it makes, it seems like such a loss. 
Absolutely. And, you know, you were talking about connecting on that emotional level. I can't tell you how many lawyers who have actually implemented the storytelling say, my client hired me and they said because they want to work with me. They're not even interviewing anyone. They're not even talking to anyone else, you know, like that is the power of great storytelling. It connects you on that level where it's like a magnet, right? You are then the person for them and you can't convince them otherwise, which good or bad, right? (laughs) You can't. Right, exactly. But then they don't shop around. And all of a sudden, when they get the proposal, they're like, yes, I just need to, you know, figure out the details of this. And it just makes that whole relationship connect at a different level and, you know, feel different. It just seems easier. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with the idea of storytelling. So aside from that, what's one thing that you'd like people to take away from this episode in terms of, you know, what's next with digital marketing? What I'm going to say is going to scare all the lawyers out there, but data <laughs> but data is your friend, you know? Data is your friend. And the only reason I say that is because, you know, we've talked about TikTok, we talk about the metaverse. Don't go jump on those platforms unless you know your clients are there. Look at the data, look at the information, go back, you know, and think about the consultations, the discovery calls, all of that you've had with your clients. What are they asking for? What do they really want? And serve them. What you do best, serve them. Um, provide that service. So before you jump into TikTok making, you know, dancing videos, or on the metaverse, right? Like put down your flag there. I highly recommend looking at the data. So I know that sounds scary, but honestly, the data is your friend. Honestly, for for someone like me who also has that kind of analytical brain, that makes sense. And that actually makes me feel more comforted and safe to think, okay, I don't need to jump into the metaverse if I don't feel like my clients are there. And if I don't feel like that's going to help me serve them. However, if my clients are tech startups and they're all in the Bay Area and they're going to be in there looking for someone like me, then I got to be there. So, you know, basing it on some real strategy and not just jumping in just because they heard this podcast. (laughs) Some random idea. (laughs) Just because it's next, next doesn't mean it's right for you in this moment, right? (laughs) And not all of us need to be in the next, next. (laughs) I love that. Okay. That I feel like is a perfect ending. Jessica Aries is a digital marketing strategist. And honestly, everybody needs to connect to for sure her LinkedIn because just to see some of this content, it's great stuff. And for sure, you can get a sense of these short form videos that she's talking about and how to do it in a helpful, really engaging way. So take a look at that and also her website and all of that other stuff that we'll link to on the show notes. So thank you so much for being here. This was awesome. Thank you, Karen. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.